welcome to True Democracy Global's podcast. Today we are rejoined by Larry J. Miller. We will continue our discussion about Robert's Rules of Order. Today we will focus on the voting process set forth in Robert's Rules True Democracy Global podcast, where we are looking into different aspects and systems of democracy, the technology that supports them, as well as various systems of authority. Our hope is that through understanding and implying share knowledge and evolving technology that we can find ways to build trust, to encourage constructive collaboration, which may bring about greater freedom for humanity in a true democracy where the power stems truly from the people and everyone has a voice in collaboration with their fellow humans, man and woman of any background. We live in an unprecedented time in history with technologies that have never before existed that may help bring about this vision. Larry Miller has been in Toastmasters since May of 1993. He helped charter the speakers of HAL. I said that right, right? Yeah. Speakers of HAL, a corporate club where he worked for in Hitachi America LTD, HAL. He was a club member of the District 4 Point of Order Club for three years. Each meeting, they would take a section of Robert's Rules of Order. Every speech and table topic was on that section. Then they would discuss the section in a round-robin fashion. Larry, thank you for coming back. I learned so much about Robert's Rules last time we talked. I wanted to dive in more about the voting processes outlined in Robert's Rules of Order. Are there different voting methods that Robert's Rules outlines? Well, thank you, Jay, for that introduction and for inviting me back. Yes, the Roberts Rules of Order has several chapters on voting rules and rights and regulations. It can be very simple or it can be very complex. The main purpose of all the rules is to make sure that number one, everyone has a vote, and number two, that the minority is also heard. So they're not just, you know, kept out of the, the loop or they don't get to have, have their concerns met. That's, that's very interesting and uh, important because as far as I'm concerned, there are three instances where democracy is not effective. And one of those is when a majority might discriminate against a minority. Exactly. So will you talk a little bit more about that in terms of Robert's rules? Right. Well, there's, there's, if you go by the, the book and also you can even actually have, uh, your bylaws say exactly what the rules are as far as voting. You can have a simple majority where the majority that are present and are voting are voting members because you might have an assembly where there's non-members there. So a simple majority or there are certain things like if you're gonna change the rules 
that the society is run by, then that has to be a two-thirds vote. And again, a lot of times it's two-thirds votes of those present and and able to vote. Able to vote means? In other words, they are members that are noted and they can vote for things for the society. As opposed to non-members who non may be present. Right. Perhaps a little bit of a tangent, but are there cases where non-members might vote? No. Okay. No. So the two-thirds two yeah. is when is specified when there's a change to the society? The change in rules for the society. In other words... Change in the rules. Right. So if you have a the bylaws uh, have certain rules set up. And if one of the things you're going to do in the meeting is change one of those rules, then that has to be a two thirds majority. Now, like I said, there's some societies that work on the, pre on the premise that it's either majority or two thirds of the majority. And it doesn't have to be just two thirds. The society, if they want, they can say, okay, it has to be three quarters. All right. So that's in the, has to be in the, in the bylaws. Okay. And then if the bylaws say it's two thirds of those present and are able to vote, then that is the, the way it's run. But some of them say, that it's of the membership or it's of the active membership or it's some variation of that. Because sometimes, you know, like in the Venetia Historical Society, we might, we have like a hundred or so members, but they're not all at the meeting. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's set up so that there's a strictly those present are the majority and or the two thirds vote. Okay. So it could be actually a lot less than two thirds, depending on how many people show up. It could just be a small group showing up. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I guess it, it's a matter of caring about the process that some members just might trust the ones that show up to do a good job. Right. Well, that's, that's part of the society's, uh, you know, the members of the society. It's their, yeah. their prerogative to whether they show up or not. And in the terms of, or in the words of the Rush song, if you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice. That's right. Yep. Yep. You certainly did. Okay. So what about um, the different voting methods? Well, there's various different methods to, to vote. One, the easiest one is called uh, unanimous uh, acceptance. 
And that is if you've been in the group, you've been discussing, it's usually in smaller groups, so just smaller groups. If you've been discussing something and it looks like everybody's been uh, for it and it's can then just be the chair can then say uh, with no no objection the this is what we're gonna do in other words it doesn't even have to be a motion okay it could be just a discussion a lot, a lot of times like the minutes changes to the minutes could be a unanimous uh, acceptance because they're you're talking about okay these are the changes to the minutes hearing no objections and you pause the chair pauses and waits no one objects you say that the minutes are accepted with the changes okay and this could solve the the issue of bringing up motions on every little detail exactly right and that's the that's called uh dilatory i believe in other words you make a motion and you're only doing it to delay things or string things out or you know so you're delaying things and and the chair can actually call that if they believe that that's okay you know, you're an instigator <laughs> been known to be an instigator then they can call you on that and uh so yeah, you have to be aware of those kind of things also. And so then the other different waves of vote, ways of voting is it could be just a, all those in favor say aye, it's a voice vote. All those in favor nay, those abstaining. Sometimes people don't do the abstaining though. They just, they just, just say the yays and nays. And if it's obvious, Mm -hmm. that there's a lot more A's than A's, then uh, it's, it's uh, announced as being passed. It's a, is allowing abstain, is that required by Robert's rules or is that an option? That's an option. Okay. Right. Now, back to the unanimous decision. What was that called again? Uh, unanimous consent unanimous consent does that need to be recorded in the minutes yes okay yes so in the minutes it would say something like by unanimous consent in whatever the decision was right okay yeah it's good to know okay unanimous consent and then verbal voting yays or nays eyes or nays yeah or abstain what else do you? So the other, the next, uh, the next one up would be a uh, like a hand vote. Mm -hmm. So all those in favor, raise your hand, and all those against, raise your hand. And there's two things that happen here. If there's just a, a small number, and you can easily see that the the whichever way it went it either, either went negative or positive then that can be recorded but then also someone can also 
before anything else happened, you know, the chair could say, okay, the, the nays have it, the motion's not passed. Someone before the next person speaks or is called upon or, or, or recognized by the chair can say point of order, I'd like to have a account. Mm-hmm. And so then the chair has to then have the motion over again, say the motion again, and this time it's without debate because you've already had your debate before. Okay. Um, and do the raise your hand and then have the chair count or the secretary count, or if it's a larger uh, conference or something, then you'd have uh, tellers that would go out and, and count the, the yeas, and then he would call for the nays. I see. So back to the meeting minutes, would both votes be recorded in the minutes? No, just, no. The, just the final one. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, the other one, the, the next level of in-person like that is, uh, is what's called a rising. So all those in favor rise, you can stand. And then he'd say, you know, the chair would then say, uh, please be seated. And then all those against, please rise. And again, the chair can either count or he can have the secretary count or again, have tellers if it's uh, a larger number. And that way they don't run into the thing of somebody saying, wait, I want, I want to have a recount. Mm-hmm. What, what's the advantage of hands versus rising? Uh, it's probably easier to see people rising mm-hmm. uh, than raising a hand. Or if you've got some person out there raising two hands, you know, you're counting hands right. and you don't, if there's people in the way, you don't see that that other hand is attached to the same person. Right. So I don't know if a person can rise twice. Yeah, really. Rapid enough to be counted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. What else? So then you get into uh, if it has to be like a secret ballot, which like elections are normally uh, done by secret ballots, then it's like a, a piece of paper, can be as simple as a piece of paper, that uh, if you're voting on something, you can write on there yes or no. And, but then once you get into the, that kind of voting, there's a lot more rules that need to be uh, put in place so that the count and everything can be done accurately. Mm-hmm. For example, in the rules, it would say you take your ballot and you fold it one time and hand it to the, the ballot counters that come around, pick them up. And so then when they get into the counting area, 
there are certain rules that they have to follow. Like, for example, if they find two ballots inside each other, folded inside each other, those have to be put aside because you don't know whether, you know, someone voted twice. Mm -hmm. So you need to put those aside. And then once you count everything else, then you go back to the ones that are like, for example, if one's blank, maybe they were supposed to vote uh, for two items. They only voted for one. Uh, all those kind of things have to be decided in the counting of the ballots. For example, it might be that that folded ballot had a blank ballot and one filled out. So then you have to decide, the counters have to decide, was that just an error that the person had two ballots? Why would they have two ballots? And that sort of thing. There's a certain not, level of judgment and that needs to be brought forth by the ballot counters. Right. And, and I all, would, the, would all those, that. Sorry. Yeah, all, yeah, all those have to be uh, in the uh, bylaws of how the counting is done so that the ballot counters know what to do with those. Is it in the bylaws or is it stated in Robert's rules? In the bylaws, okay. how they handle it. I mean, it does say in the Robert's Rules of Order uh, how you should uh, handle them. And your bylaws should uh, indicate that also the same. And so then you have the other ballots of where they're prepaid, prepaid, <laughs> pre-made. Pre you don't want to pay for your ballot. Perhaps some people do. Yeah, it could be, could be. Uh, like it could be a, a list of the officers that are, are up for election. And so then you have the list of officers that you can vote for and you can vote for uh, individual ones. Uh, for example, it, there's different ways, like you could have beside the name, yes or no, or you can, you know, in individual decisions that are going to be made. For example, um, should we have a Christmas party? Yes or no. Mm -hmm. But on the next part of the ballot, maybe it's uh, election of a committee to run the the Christmas party, vote for three, and there's six people running for it. And so then you can vote for three or you can vote for two or one or none. Those are all valid. If you vote for four, your whole ballot is thrown out. And there's also in those kind of situations, you also are required to have a blank space to fill in a name of your choice. Mm -hmm. And Mickey Mouse perhaps gets a lot. Yeah, Mickey Mouse, uh, Donald Duck. Yeah, yeah. I heard once unverified that Mickey Mouse has actually received more votes for president than any president that was ever elected in the United States. <laughs> <laughs> Probably over time, yeah. 
Yeah. Never verified. I tried to verify, but I couldn't find the actual facts about that. Yeah. Anyway, we, we digress. So I would imagine there might be cases that are unique to a specific vote. You covered the yes or no, or the, you know, pick three. I wonder if there's ever a case that there's some unique way to vote that isn't really covered in Robert's rules or ballot counting that isn't covered in the bylaws. What would you think, what do you think would happen in that case? Hmm. I would imagine that there's, there's, it's covered in Robert's rule of order, period. Okay. There's, I can't uh, imagine that over the number of years that they've developed the Robert's rule of Robert's rules of order that it wouldn't be covered. They haven't found that one unique situation that isn't covered yet. Yeah. Or they've, they've added it. And yeah, they, they've added the electronic devices also. Okay. How they, they should be used and how they should be monitored and stuff like that. So, Okay, let's let's get into that in a second, but I wanted to back up to the ballot counting procedures. Did you state that there's specific procedures outlined in Robert's rules that are besides what are in the bylaws? Meaning like, are, is there some default set of ballot counting procedures? Yeah, in Robert's rules, there's a basic okay. uh, set of rules that you should be following. And then like, with, within the no. bylaws, they would specify, they would make any specific changes to that. Right. Okay. In other words, there might be an instance in Robert Rules of Order that says, if this instant here happens, the ballot should be invalidated. But that it could be in the bylaws that you state that, no, we're going to accept that. Okay. Okay. So if, if whatever organization doesn't specify it in their bylaws, it defaults to Robert's rules. Right. Now, what about electronic voting? Electronic voting is a lot easier to track. There's the ability for like, for example, for people to go to a central point and have like computer set up or something like that so that you can enter your vote that way. Or some places have actual devices that they give their, uh, their members as they come in to vote. And one, the, the other thing, too, that I just uh, remembered is a really important rule in the voting is that once the voting starts, uh, no one else can come in during the voting. Nothing can happen during the voting. There's no talking. There's no, uh, like if somebody is uh, stating their vote, they're saying, I vote sudden says, then they can't explain the vote either. Mm, okay. And 
So anytime the voting has started, nothing else can happen. No one else can come in to vote. So that's, that's really important rule too. So with the electronic devices, they need to be, you need to ensure that the people know how to use them correctly and also how to see the results on the other side. For example, sometimes in Toastmasters, we use Google Docs. Mm -hmm. And that way, nobody can see individual votes except for the people that are counting the votes. And that's the same thing with the, the paper ballots, too. The, on the paper ballots, they have to sign their name. So when the ballot counter looks at the name and checks and see, yes, that person is eligible to vote, and it's a good ballot. Same thing with the electronics is when that comes into the Google Docs, it has to identify who the, the voter is so they can check against the records to see if that person's eligible to vote. And that way, when another vote comes, you know, you get checked off, and then another vote comes in, they go to check it out and say, wait a minute, Larry's already voted then that vote won't count. Mm -hmm. So you have to be, you have to have all those rules in place. And the, the counters have to really know, again, what they're doing, just like in the paper ballots and electronic voting. So there's so, not, it's not truly anonymous since the ballot counters would know who voted for right. what, yeah. Now, what happens, we're going to go back to the paper ballots for a second. What happens to the paper ballots after they are counted? So after they're counted and after the uh, results have been announced mm -hmm. and written by the secretary in the book, in the minutes, then those are given to the secretary and they're held for whatever period of time is designated for, because there's certain votes where you can appeal mm -hmm. the vote. And so those votes have to be kept for a certain length of time. And that's always in the, the, stand, the by, bylaws. So the, the actual ballots are kept? Right. Okay. By the secretary. By the secretary, yes. I don't think that's followed a lot in most societies, but that's that's what the Robert's Rules of Order say. And that's for a specified amount of time to allow appeals. Right. Okay. I would imagine it's, it depends on the society and the case uses of the society, whether, you know, it's how important it is to adhere to these various rules to the letter versus kind of loosely. Right, right. Well, I had a, for an example, I was on the board of one society, which I won't mention, and 
usually the there was two people that basically ran the organization mm-hmm. and i was my this is my first board meeting they someone brought a uh, brought two proposals from another organization to work with ours and uh, the president just immediately said ah, we're not going to do that and i go wait a minute don't wouldn't we vote on something like this? Oh, I, I suppose we could. <laughs> and so I got them to uh, vote on them separately, and one passed and one didn't. Wow. But yeah. the president just said, eh, we're not no. doing that. Yeah, we got to be very careful of our, our biases along the way. And things like Robert's rules are supposed to eliminate that as much as possible. But then of course we have to adhere to them and that is where bias can be introduced as well. So, yeah. Yeah. Now back to the electronic voting, are the devices used specified? Right. They're usually some kind of device that, uh, will transfer a yes or no, or that sort of thing. That's the simplest device. Mm-hmm. And then there's other other times when there's a, you know, if it's a smaller uh, conference or something, whether it be uh, several computers set up where people can put their vote in and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but that's all tied into the same same database. And uh, again, like I said, it's uh, you have to be able to verify who can vote and that sort of thing. Now, and especially on some programs, you can have it set up so that the person will put their name in, it'll check against a database. And if they're in the database, it'll allow them to vote. Then on the other end, they only know that there's a yes or no vote. So they don't know who the person was that voted yes or no. <clears throat> That's the best way to set it up. But then the database would also have to know that that person voted. Yes. So they don't vote twice unless the voting twice is allowed. In some cases, I don't imagine regards to Robert's rules that that is allowed. But I know some cases where they allow multiple votes, for example, voting for your favorite all-star player on the all-star team. <laughs> Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. So, well, actually, that's true in Toastmasters also. Is it? Yes, because <clears throat> like an area director has two votes, one for himself in the club, and one is an area director. Okay. And... uh and this, you know, the same thing with uh, all the district officers. And so they, they have a district vote and they also have a personal club vote. So. so what about remote voting? Uh-huh, you read my mind. Because mm-hmm. I was just thinking proxy. Mm-hmm. That's that's one way of uh, remote voting. It's not a recommended way of doing it. And 
the main, you know, the, you can have in your bylaws that you can have mail-in voting, you can have email voting, you can have fax voting, stuff like that. But it's, it's highly not recommended. And the reason is because if you're in session, in a live session, mm-hmm. and so someone sends an email vote in, they're voting for the original motion as it was when they were sent the email. Right. Whereas in the meeting itself, that motion could be changed numerous times. And so what do you do with that vote? That vote's not voting for the right the real motion anymore. Unless if somehow the technology allows it to change in whatever tool they're using to vote remotely, they can see that it's changed. That's true. Yeah, it wouldn't work in an email, but like an online platform, you could. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and not, yeah, then it can be notified that it was changed, mm-hmm. and then uh, do a revote type thing. Yes, and they also don't hear this. this excuse me, they also don't hear the discussion or participate in the discussion. Exactly, they don't hear the pros and cons of yeah. the, the different motions and that sort of thing. They don't hear the intensity of what's going on mm-hmm. it's something wow this is a lot more important than i thought it was sort of thing do you imagine that there are ways that that can be overcome that the discussion can be included in the voting platform that the person is using to vote remotely mm-hmm. well i can see that that could be recorded mm-hmm. In other words, it could, that part of the meeting, starting from the motion to the end of the voting, could be recorded. And then people could be notified that the motion was changed. And they could, you know, they have a certain period of time to review the recording. And and then change their vote or not. And it's not really instantaneous then. In that yeah. Case. yeah. A lot of different case uses that can be envisioned and imagined. So you said that remote voting is not recommended. And I thought you said something about proxy voting too, that that's not recommended as well. Well, for the for large organizations, well, actually, there's some states mm-hmm. that require that uh, it's part of the uh, organization's uh, bylaws or you know their constitution. There's some states that allow that, and there's some organizations that allow that, like Toastmasters allows that for votes uh, at the international level. You can have proxy votes there. If it's, if it's 
Let's see how they state it. They stated that if it's a organization that, how's it go? It's something about being in a personal effect of individuals. This is stated in Robert's rules? Right. Okay. That uh, the proxies are allowed. Oh, like for example, here's a good example, like uh, timeshares. Mm -hmm. uh, and that in that organization and timeshares, that organization allows proxies because they need to have a majority or they have to have a... Uh, uh, not a majority, a certain number of people that are allowed to vote. The quorum. Quorum, there you go, yeah. quorum. So they have to have a quorum. And the only way to have a quorum with thousands and thousands of timeshare owners is with a proxy. Okay. So you get a, you get a letter stating, uh, you can either vote at the meeting yourself or give the proxy to so-and-so and then they vote your vote at the meeting. And it you depends know. on the definition of quorum. If the quorum's specific to the number of people that show up at the meeting, then that's irrelevant. But if it's specific to the membership, then- Yeah, those, those kind of organizations, it has to be the, about the membership. Mm -hmm. That's why they have to use the proxy. Uh, but for smaller clubs and Toastmasters or stuff like that, there you can't use a proxy. But uh, but they do at the international level. Okay. Because again, they need the uh, quorum. And it's the same issue with the proxy. It's with the remote voting is they don't hear the discussion and the motion might be changed. Exactly. And, yeah. and just to, to clarify, a proxy is where you tell your representative that this is what how you want to vote. Right. As opposed to representation where you allow somebody to choose for you. The, actually, there's two different proxies. I'm glad you brought that up. That's... The one is where you put down what you want them to vote mm -hmm. for you. And the other one is you just give a proxy to the person to vote as they will mm -hmm. for you. And these are both called proxies within regards to Robert's rules. Right. Like for example, in uh, district meetings, mm -hmm. uh, in Toastmasters, if you, the president and the vice president have each have a vote, but if neither one of those can go, you can have anybody in the club go to the, the meeting as your proxy if you have filled out the form mm -hmm. properly. And so we have two votes, so they can vote those two votes the way the club wants them to vote. If you're voting for the district director or whoever you're voting for, you should explain all that to your club. And then the proxy, if it's not the president or vice president, then will 
go and vote the way the club wants them to vote. And you need to choose someone that's going to do it the way you want it and not just do their own thing. Mm -hmm. So you got to put a trust in that person. Right, right. The trust word. Yeah, really. In most cases, I think people are trustworthy. Yeah. Okay, so we covered the electronic voting and voting by proxy. What else are we missing as far as Robert's rules go? Well, the, the method of reporting also is covered by Robert's rules or reporting the results. Reporting the results, right. Mm -hmm. For example, there's, they suggest that you actually have a report set up that says, this is how many people voted. This was the quorum. Uh, these were the yeses, this was the noes. These were the uh, missing or, you know, the disallowed votes. And the committee reporting that either reports that out loud but does not say who, whether it passed or it didn't pass. Mm -hmm. That's up to the chair. The chair has to take that and then announce whether it passed or it didn't pass. Because the committee is only reporting. It's not saying what the final vote is. A lot of times what I've seen too is they'll have a... Um, a chart that they can write on and they say this many votes for this person, this many votes for that person, so forth and so on. And then the chair announces the results. And then the secretary is told to record the results as reported, which mm -hmm. is all those numbers, the full report. So that's one aspect. You don't you don't have the committee coming in and waving a piece of paper saying, you know, right. Larry's the new president, mm -hmm. this sort of thing. The committee just reports on the the numbers. Not necessarily the results, but the numbers of <laughs> I'm trying to think of the terminology. Well, the other thing too is- Process. The process, yes. Mm -hmm. Another uh, process of voting is where you have multiple, like multiple people running for an office. Let's say you have three people running for office. Mm -hmm. Then, and in your bylaws, you say that the person to win has to have a majority. So then after the voting is done and no one has the majority, then the 
person that had the least amount is dropped off and then you vote again. So there's a second vote. This is stated in Robert's rules? Yes. Okay. And then they, then you vote for those two. And if the person gets a majority, then that person is announced the winner. If the person doesn't get a majority, which still could happen, then they have to re-vote again. And this is, especially in a larger organization where you might have like 10 people running for some office or something, mm-hmm. then this is continued continued process until you get down to that one individual. So the least number, the 10th person gets dropped off and then you're voting for the nine and then eight and then seven, six, you know, until someone along the line gets the majority. Okay. So that's another possibility in the voting rules. When there's multiple choice. And then there's also the voting for committees, but that's usually the regular type of voting where you have, you're going to have a committee of five, but there's 10 members running for that committee. And so that's called a plural vote where they, whoever gets the top five votes is the committee. Okay. It doesn't, doesn't have to be a majority or anything like that. And uh, in those cases, they would be vote for X number of these candidates. Right. Vote for up, vote for up to five. Yeah. And a lot of people believe that they're, oh, that brings up another, another type of voting. Believe that if you don't, if you just vote for the, your favorite person, out of the five, that that will uh, help that person get on the list, but not necessarily, because there's another type of voting where it's called a ranking voting. Mm -hmm. And like when in our Toastmasters contest, you, as a judge, you rank someone number one another person is number two, another person is number three. Mm-hmm. And then those rankings, the number one person gets three points, number two person gets two points, number three person gets one point. Then you add up the points. So let's say now we have uh, a tie, like a three-way tie. Mm-hmm. So then what you do is you have to take the ballots and and I'm not sure Toastmasters follows this rule really now that I think about it but they should they take the three people that are tied and when they actually when they first do the balloting they're supposed to also put the ballots this pile is number one this pile is number two, this pile is number three, and so forth. 
So everybody that voted for person A as number one, they go in that pile. And then they take the three-way tie and whoever has the least number of first place votes gets dropped out and then the votes are redistributed as who, who was second, who was third. It's a very complicated system yeah. to do it that way so that you eventually come down to one person. If there's a time. Yeah, if there's the time, yeah. Or, well, some, yeah, or a tie, I said. Or a tie, yeah. A time, too. <laughs> time, too. I think in, in Toastmasters, they have the tiebreaker tiebreaker vote yes they do and uh sometimes that still winds up in a tie oh, so well, what do you do then uh-huh <laughs> i don't know how a tiebreaker vote would still end up in a tie mm. well could be that the person wasn't even on the ballot Oh, I see. Neither one. There's a lot of different ins and outs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of, like, for example, that, you know, the person, if it wasn't on the ballot, then you still have the tie. And then, according to Robert's Rules of Order, you find the person that has most number ones, yeah. first place. Okay. But uh, but yeah, there's a lot of a lot of ins and outs on uh, on the voting of how to do it, how to count it. It's uh, pretty complex, especially in larger uh, organizations. I, I can see why it's seven hundred or six hundred and seventeen pages. Was it six hundred and thirty? I believe six hundred and thirty. Yeah. How much of that is? is designated towards the voting process, do you know? There's two full chapters on it. Two full chapters? Yeah. Out of how yeah. many? Well, but that's that's two full chapters, but then within that chapter, it'll talk about something and then it says, says go look at uh, 445 okay. through mm -hmm. 63. Okay. You know, paragraph. So it's uh, it's strung out through the whole whole book. So there's a lot more than just the two chapters. So there's probably a lot of details we didn't cover. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's, yeah but, uh, but we get the gist of it anyway. Yeah. Which is good. Can we back up a little bit? I, I wanted to know when the time period lapses for the secretary to hang on to the ballots, does it specify how the ballots, what happens to the ballots after that? Yeah, you have a big bonfire. Okay, yeah, in, the, in the in the middle of a dry forest. You know? <laughs> but it's it states that in Robert's rules, huh? No, it does not. It does not say how to destroy the ballots. It, it says it says destroy them. Destroy them. They have to be destroyed. You, does, you, does it go into destroyed. detail about like how destroyed they have to be? <laughs> no. No. Okay. No. It's this destroyed.
I would I would imagine most of the time it would just be uh, you know shredding them, you know, put them through a shredder. My two-hour timer for um, muting my phone expired, oh. and it started to ring again. So that might be indication that our time is up. I think we've covered everything, huh? Yeah, quite a bit. Yeah. As far as the voting process goes, there's still some things I'd like to learn. Would you object to a third session? <laughs> sure. Okay. Yeah. I wanted to know about the removal of members or punishing members another time yeah that's uh that's a whole whole bunch of set of rules okay yeah yeah if if you're willing to we could schedule that for another time and okay. um, do a, do a third session okay yep. all right well, well right. thank thank you larry for joining us yeah, thank you for having me truedemocracy.globalpodcast mission is to explore topics related to democracies and systems authority as well as the technologies that support them. We're casting a wide net to bring in information from a variety of sources with the intention of shedding light into every corner and illuminating a broad and deep understanding of the systems that exist past and present. With this understanding, we will refine our nonprofit mission which supports our vision to build trust, to encourage constructive collaboration and provide an avenue for the authenticity and secure storage of information. Please visit truedemocracy.global for more information.